0: If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly.
1: Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today we are talking about the financial advice industry. And what are things that you might need to know if you go to an advisor or if you have one and you're a little uncomfortable with them? Joining me today is Bradley Clark. He is the founder of Clark Asset Management. So Welcome to the show, Bradley.
0: Thank you very much for having me, Heather.
1: First of all, I want to start with people who may not know that there is a difference in the type of advisor. There's different ways that they collect money because for the m- most part, they aren't doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. I mean, this is their job. They need to earn a living as well. So if I was to come to you, Bradley, you would charge me some type of money to help me manage my money better. So what are the different ways that uh, financial advisors or the ed- industry gets their money?
0: I'll answer and maybe put it, maybe do it chronologically. So where this started was commissions. So if a life insurance agent sells you, a whole life insurance policy, or an annuity, they're gonna take down a commission. That's a percentage of the premium or the value that is paid to them by the company that manufactures the product. Similarly, uh, brokerage firms like Schwab and all these other guys used to charge significant commissions to place trades. So most of you probably know that a lot of those trade commissions have been driven down, in many cases to zero, Mutual funds are sometimes still sold with commissions, but fortunately that is less and less and less common. What we've seen in the last 20 or 30 years is the rise of AUM fees, and that's assets under management, where you are paying, instead of a commission, a percentage on the value of the assets that are being managed by your advisor. And it looks good because it looks like incentives are aligned. If you do well, they do well. But if the portfolio is large, they're taking a huge sum every year. And then if they are putting you into expensive mutual funds and strategies, now you're not only paying the advisor 1%, but you may be paying another 1% in the underlying fund structures. There's a few people in the country charging retainers, which I think is really where this has to go if we ever have a chance of transforming this industry into an actual profession.
1: To go back a little bit, the the first way that financial advisors sort of started in the industry you're saying was commission, which is similar to insurance agents. But if I went in and said, okay, you know, help me out here. What should I be doing? The commission-based advisors may not only be taking a a bit of a fee from me, whatever money I give them to put into a portfolio, they could also be getting commission from whatever stock they're telling me or portfolio to invest in, correct?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I probably went too fast. And so, yes, there are still advisors who... Take a commission up front for putting you into certain mutual funds. That, that still goes on. It's just less common. So if you, if you pass a million dollars to one of these advisors, they may make 20 or 30,000 bucks on day one just to get you into the mutual funds.
1: But they're also taking a kickback from the mutual fund that they're telling you to invest in.
0: Yes. That's, that's less and less common, but there are things called 12 B1 fees that some mutual fund companies have to pay to, to get distribution. And that starts to get murky because it could be that the advisor's not getting it, but that Charles Schwab is getting it almost like a stocking fee, right? So if you go to the grocery store and buy a box of cereal and the cereal has been given prominent display, then it could be that the grocery store is receiving a kickback from the company making the cereal. Similarly, there may be a kickback going to the custodian or the brokerage firm or the advisor in addition to the commission. So there's like a, there can be a layer cake right. of fees and it's still rather opaque that you don't actually know who has their hand in what cookie jar.
1: Okay. And the, and a big reason why this commission based advisor is less common is that more people are aware of this. There's more oversight. So a lot of people, my understanding is they're moving to the fee based where we just charge you a flat fee. And so you feel like, oh, okay, that feels better. I know that, you know, my commission, the guy isn't getting a kickback and also getting money from me.
0: Well, that's right. So so, so so I think people now, consumers now get that there can be troubling conflicts of interest when you bundle the sales function. I'm going to sell you this product. When the person selling you the product is, all, is also holding themselves out as an advisor. If you commingle the advice function and the sales function and the seller is getting a commission for both selling and advising, there is an obvious conflict, and consumers, I think, are more and more and more aware of this. So hence the rise of the fee model. However, the dominant form of fees, the vast majority of fees are paid as a percentage of your portfolio. So it removes the conflicts that are inherent in the commission approach but it results in two other issues. If your portfolio happens to be large, if you're lucky enough to have two or three or four or five million bucks, 1%, which is the prevailing rate of that number is is an extremely high number. And it's unnecessary that you pay such a high number. If the portfolio is smaller, 200,000 or 400,000, then 1% is fine. The other issue that we don't think about is that even the 1% model has troubling conflicts of interest. So let's say you hire me and I charge you 1%. And then you come to me six months later and you say, Brad, I'm thinking of paying off my mortgage. Or I'm thinking of buying a small vacation cottage on a lake. Or I'm thinking of when to claim Social Security. Right? I can give you countless other examples. If you do any of those things, it is going to reduce the amount of assets under management by your advisor and therefore reduce the compensation that they are receiving, which then puts them in another intractably difficult, conflicted position.
1: So if you, Bradley, you know, you've got my money here and I want to buy this house and you're like, wow, I'm just barely skating by on the other people I'm advising and I can't lose any more money from my portfolio. You're going to be like, you know, now is not the best time for you to get into real estate. That might be a word (laughs) or a phrase that you might kick around.
0: Yeah. And what's so interesting here is I want to be very clear. The vast majority of advisors under any compensation scheme, I think, are well-intentioned. There's always going to be some bad apples, and I'm not suggesting that financial advisors are bad. What I'm suggesting is that the compensation schemes are not good for clients, so that every one of us responds to economic incentives, okay? but we can't even tell, necessarily, that we're doing it. So. I'm not accusing hundreds of thousands of va- advisors of giving bad advice, but what I'm saying is it is a relationship between the advisor and the client that has very troubling conflicts baked into it. And there are very strong economic incentives at play that in my, my opinion, and I think there's evidence that backs this up, that people cannot even necessarily tell that those incentives are impacting the words that come out of their mouths or the advice that they're giving.
1: All right. We do need to take a break. When we come back, I want to go further now that we've sort of given the background of how advisors had been compensated in the past. Go back to this AUM fees because I have never heard that phrase before. So we'll be right back with Bradley Clark. He is the founder of Clark Asset Management. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about the financial advice industry. And joining me is Bradley Clark. He is the founder of Clark Asset Management. And I think, Bradley, for a lot of people, just that topic like, oh, my gosh, my eyes are going to glaze over. I don't get it. But if you have money invested in portfolios, in stock management, and you have somebody else helping you. This is actually a very, very important topic. You need to know how your money is being managed and what type of compensation the person helping you is getting.
0: I agree completely. I agree completely. Would it help me if I just explain explained AUM, that concept? That, yes, that, concept, that would be
1: great because I yep. stated... I'd never heard that phrase until you just said it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I sometimes am, am guilty of tossing around acronyms. AUM stands for assets under management. So let's say that you and I have lunch a couple of times. Uh, you like me. You like the approach and you say, okay, Brad, I'm going to hire you. And let's say you have got two million bucks. So what will happen is, uh, your, those accounts, wherever your two million is, you, those accounts will come over under my firm's management. If I'm if I'm an AUM advisor, I will then begin charging you one percent of the assets under management, AUM. So I've got two million dollars of your money under management. One percent of the two million is twenty thousand bucks a year. So I'm gonna take twenty thousand dollars a year out of your portfolio in order to To pay for the advice that I'm giving you. If that portfolio doubles, I'll take 40 grand a year out of it. Okay. So that's, and that's the standard fee in the industry is 1% of assets under management.
1: All right. So that was just a phrase I hadn't heard. How do I know if an advisor has my best interest at heart? You you talked about that a little bit, whether they're commission or fee-based. I know you said the way that advisors are compensated that's just baked in to have some conflicts of interest. But how can I tell if there possibly is one or that they're trustworthy and not a Bernie Madoff coming at me?
0: Yeah, so there's really two questions here, I think, that maybe we need to tease out. You may have heard of this idea of a fiduciary. What blows some people's minds is that in the financial advice industry, there are two different standards of care. There's a higher standard and a lower standard. Some financial advisors are held to the higher standard, and some financial advisors are held to the lower standard. The higher standard is called the fiduciary standard, which simply means that Anybody who takes the fiduciary oath is supposed to put the interests of their clients ahead of their own interests. The lower standard is the suitability standard that says, as long as I'm selling you a product that is, quote unquote, suitable for what you're trying to achieve, I don't actually need to put your interests ahead of my own. So for instance, if you know that if, if you're a client and you want income for life and the way to get it is an annuity and you're clearly a good client for an annuity, I could sell you an annuity with a very high commission for me. That's maybe not the best product for you, but it's suitable because it's achieving the objective that, that you were looking for. Oh. So that's the, that's the suitability standard, which is a lower standard. The fiduciary standard is clearly the better standard for consumers, but it's funny that you mentioned Bernie Madoff because he was a fiduciary. Yeah. So just because somebody is in theory held to a certain standard, it doesn't mean that they necessarily have the moral or ethical compass to behave in that way. And even if they do have the moral or ethical compass to act as a fiduciary, if they're charging, in my example, 1% of assets, they've got all these built-in conflicts, and they can't necessarily even tell that those conflicts are influencing their decision-making. So they may believe that they're being held to the fiduciary standard, but their advice is still compromised based on the compensation model.
1: Before we get into the red flags of how I might be able to distinguish between somebody who, even if they claim to be fiduciary, are there certain companies that as a whole, and then thus all the advisors in that company would be just suitability advisors? I'm not trying to call out like Charles Schwab, but that's just a big name. And I'm not saying they are, but is it like Charles Schwab, all they want to do is just sell you stuff. So they're just going to sell you a suitable thing.
0: So it's a good question. I'm certainly not going to mention individual companies, but the corporate form is interesting. So if somebody is selling insurance, so they own an agency or a brokerage firm, and they're selling life insurance as an investment or annuities as an investment, most of those firms are not held to the fiduciary standard. If they're employed by a broker-dealer... They are generally not held to the fiduciary standard. If they are, if they're employed by an independent RIA, registered investment advisor that's truly independent, then they typically are held to the fiduciary standard. Uh, if they're a CFP, a certified financial planner, it is likely that they are held to the fiduciary standard. But what's amazing is that there are advisors who are held to both standards depending on the context. So if I call client A at 1 p.m. to talk about topic X, the fiduciary standard applies. But at 3 p.m., if I call client B on topic Z, then the fiduciary standard does not apply. And I'm sure that sounds ridiculous, (laughs) but there, there are actually advisors living under both standards and they're expected to understand the context in which they're interacting with somebody, which of course seems patently absurd.
1: Yeah. Okay. I would just be like fiduciary all the way, no matter who your client is, but okay.
0: Now I will, I will offer this. There is another buzzword that I think is valuable called fee only. Yes. Fee-only is very different from fee-based. So fee-only says, the word only is the key word. It says that 100% of that advisor's compensation comes from the fees paid directly by the client. So zero commissions, zero kickbacks, zero revenue shares. So if you are searching for a financial planner or a financial advisor of any kind, I would advocate limiting your search to advisors who are fee-only because then you're getting fiduciary for sure and, and, and you're not getting any of these other forms of compensation. So fee-only. Do never make the mistake of conflating fee-only and fee-based because if I'm fee-based, all it means is that some of my my compensation comes from fees, but the rest can be coming from all sorts of other nonsense. So you want fee only when you're looking.
1: So now that we have a a basic understanding of how the advisors work and what some of their compensation would be, what are some of the flags that will help me identify the good ones from the maybe not so good ones?
0: yeah so when you say good, I mean it's so subjective d do, do, do you mean kind of ethical and ethical m- yes and and, and minim and not necessarily competent but but ethical
1: yes, ethical. I think I would be personally looking for the ethical advisor yeah so so I would
0: say fee only has got to be on a short list if they're not fee only, I would say there's a potential flag because every anybody who can hold themselves out at fee only definitely does it. So if you go to an advisor's website, or if you ask this advisor, are you fee only? And and they say, oh, what's that? Or if they say, well, I'm not sure. If they say, no, we're not, that's a flag. You still may be fine, but I would start with fee only. The second thing I would do is I would find a CFP, a Certified Financial Planner. Now, there's probably 80 different financial designations, so it's alphabet soup. And, and consumers cannot be expected to understand 80 different designations. But there are some that I think people are starting to get, like a CPA. People know that that's a certified public accountant. In, in the financial advisor area, CFP, certified financial planner, I think is, is finally relatively well known or, or getting there. So if you can find a fee only CFP, I think you're off to the races. Those would be the two that I would, I I would put on there. And then you may want to ask how they're comped. So most of these guys will be comped percentage of assets, but there are some people out there who are, who are charging by the hour. Very interesting. Yeah. And there's some people that are charging retainers. So it's almost like a subscription model. Think of Netflix is 30 bucks a month. Well, this is more expensive but you could pay a financial planner 300 a month 400 a month 500 a month on retainer where you're not paying any aum percentages and the idea there would be to save money if your portfolio is large but also to avoid the conflicts of interest that i that i listed earlier so so i would add that to the list it would be fee only cfp retainer-based or subscription-based or hourly-based.
1: Okay, I would love the $2 million portfolio you assigned to me earlier in our discussion, but I don't have that. It's going to be a lot less. To me, I would be spending a lot more money on retainer-based versus the 1% model that is, if if I was not at fee-only. Yep, so yes. And that
0: then we drive into... Well, what services do you want? Because I won't get into the details, but there are two main services being sold. One is investment management. And that's somebody to take, to do the care and feeding of your portfolio. The other service is financial planning. And this is all about tax planning and saving for retirement and goals and budgeting and uh, estate planning and insurance planning. It's all the other stuff it's all bound up in the concept of financial planning and so let's say you've got 300,000 or 200,000 if all you want is somebody to manage your money i can't think of a single traditional financial advisor that's going to touch you because you don't meet the minimums mm-hmm. so if you want management then you go to some of these very cool more technology based solutions like a robo advisor right where you're still getting great service but it's a software driven investment advisory platform with no minimums but here's the thing to remember in my opinion most of the value that you get from a financial advisor is actually from the financial planning not as much the investment management so even if you just have 200,000 or whatever the figure is 1% of that's 200 is is 2000 bucks However, it may be absolutely, absolutely worth it for you to pay three or four hundred bucks a month to somebody because of all the financial planning benefit. Okay. Right. That, that's making sure that your tax planning is nailed, that your estate planning is good, that you don't have holes in your insurance and, and that you're optimizing the money that you're putting away. If you're, I mean, 30, 40, 50 different financial planning topics. And so, The other advice I would give somebody that's looking is be very clear. Are you looking for investment management advice? Are you looking for financial planning advice? Or are you looking for a bundle of the two?
1: My other concern on the retainer is what is preventing anybody from, okay, just pay your $200 a month and then kind of like an attorney. Attorneys always want a retainer and then they charge you by the hour on top of that. So so
0: that I mean there's a risk uh but but I I would just make sure that, that, that that's all agreed to up front. Uh there is more and more transparency in my industry. There is something called a form ADV and a form ADV is required by the SEC and the form ADV has to spell out the nature of the fees. So like in my ADV I put in the price and it says I mean, I charge $9,500 a year in my business, right? So the portfolios need to be a little higher. However, my ADV doesn't say anything. It does not allow me to charge by the hour. It does not allow me to charge a higher price than $9,500. It does not allow me to charge complexity fees or have multiple tiers because none of that is laid out in my ADV. So if you find a retainer-based person that you like, and you want to just look at their ADV, if it allows them to charge you hourly on top of the retainer, it will say that. The vast majority of the retainer-based advisors I know are not nickeling and diming people with hourly rates. There's a big difference. Maybe I should say subscription instead of retainer. I'm talking about a monthly subscription that you can cancel anytime you want if you're no longer getting the value i'm not talking about pre-buying a certain number of hours okay
1: because amazon prime is a subscription but there are a lot of movies you have to pay on top of even though you have yeah. the subscription
0: so that's where i'm trying to be No, like, no, I, no. I, think, I think that's i think that's an excellent question so you don't want a surprise on the back end right. if the, the advisor is going to charge you 295 bucks a month you don't want them six months later saying oh, but what about this, this, and this? I mean, that's that's kind of a, like a bait and switch.
1: All right. Uh, we're coming to the end here, but I know that you are a CFP. You're a certified financial planner, but are you able to help people anywhere in the U.S.?
0: We are. And so let me just tell you very briefly, we offer the bundle of financial planning and investment management. We work with retirees and pre-retirees. And when I say pre, I mean somebody that's going to Retire in the next say five to seven years. Our fees ninety five hundred dollars a year, which means it generally does not make sense to hire us unless the the, the grand total of all of your accounts is uh, you know a million bucks or more, right? If the grand total is five hundred thousand or four hundred thousand, then then our fees probably too high, and that's the observation that you made before. But if yeah. your portfolio is a lot larger to one million our fee starts to to look better and better and better and better because all my clients pay that same fee.
1: All right. And what else do you have coming up, Bradley?
0: I have my first book coming out in January. And if you do meet our ideal client profile and you do book a call with us, which is totally free, we will send you a free hard copy version of the book. It's called Be the Bird, which I will not explain. The website is my name, bradleyclark.com. And then the special offer for podcast listener listeners is just forward slash at the end of that. And then podcast offer, bradleyclark.com forward slash podcast offer. And if you want to schedule time with us and you're interested in us, uh, we're happy to send you a free copy of the book. And if you choose not to do that, It will be available on Amazon late in January.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much, Bradley. I hope clarify for people the differences in how advisors are paid and why you need to pay attention to that, because it's important. It affects you, affects your portfolio. And the fiduciary part's important, too. Although, as you stated, Bernie Madoff was supposedly fiduciary and that didn't work out so well (laughs) (laughs) no it didn't all right thank you so much bradley clark you are the founder of clark asset management
0: thank you so much heather Money Making Sense on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.